0: Everybody, welcome back to P3, the PFOS Pulse Podcast. I am joined today by co host Matt Wallace. You are? Hello. This is the first time we've been in the same room together doing this before. I think so, yeah. And special guest Jackie Baxley.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: And we are here today to talk about some updates that we're seeing to Tosca as it relates to PFOS. Jackie, what is happening uh, with Tosca?
1: All right, so everybody pull out your PFAS strategic roadmap bingo card. And this change has to do with the category of Office of Chemical Safety and Pollution Prevention. And so um, it was anticipated in the original strategic roadmap that winter 2022, we would have this rule. It was published back in 2021. It was just published in the Federal Register. It's going to be uh, you know, final within 30 days of its actual publication. And this is a rule for PFAS reporting for manufacturers and importers.
2: You say it's within 30 days of its publication. When was it published? Or well, it, it was published in published?
1: the federal. We've got an advanced copy of the Federal Register. So November-ish. Maybe.
2: So 30 days after that. Yeah.
1: Well, I think we're anticipating that the November date will be the 30-day date.
2: Right. Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. So we've got um, some advanced publications of this Federal Register. We did an email blast about that as well. So the day it actually hits the Federal Register, it will be 30 days after that.
2: So once it is live, what are what are the requirements going forward?
1: Right. So um, let me take a step back further because not everybody is familiar with TOSCA sure. as well. Um, so Tosca, I like to consider it a bit of a potpourri regulation. Um, it, it is all about to- toxic substances. Um, but the reason why I say it's a bit of a potpourri regulation is because under Tosca, you have rules and regulations about lead. About, and so whether that's, you know, renovations in, um, in child-occupied facilities or disclosures. Um, also under Tosca, you got regulations about PCBs. Um, you also have regulations about as new chemicals come to market, you're required to do some pre-manufacturing notifications, testing, reporting, and so on. Um, there is a part under TOSCA called the chemical data reporting rules. And so this new rule, I would say, is kind of a close cousin to that existing rule. But it's important to note, this is a new rule. It's not a revision of a, uh, of a current rule, so to speak. This is a new rule. But it is not, I would say, I always have to find something that I can relate it to for me to better understand it. Yeah, yeah. So so I'm looking at the chemical data reporting provisions as a way for my mind to kind of link up with this new rule. But it is it is very different. It's a cousin, you know, right. mm-hmm. not quite a distant cousin, not quite a close cousin, um, you know, to, to the chemical data uh, reporting provisions. So the chemical data reporting rule, some of our listeners might be familiar with it. Um, it applies to manufacturers, and there's typically a, a threshold that if you manufacture more than like twenty five thousand pounds, there's some some chemicals that have smaller thresholds, but in general, twenty five thousand um, pounds, it's a it's a four year window of reporting. Um, then then you have to report under the chemical data rules. Mm-hmm. This one is different. Um, there is no threshold. So if you are a manufacturer of PFOS. Then you're going to be reporting under this rule. Whether it's one pound or 1 million um, pounds, there is no threshold. So that's, that's kind of a, a, a big change for, for this one.
2: Yeah. Now, there's been some controversy as to what counts as PFAS and what does not. Do they have a list of all the 5,000 chemicals that manufacturers should be kind of comparing their products to?
1: Not yet um but there is there is talk of a list to be published um and and when that list is published it will be in the comptox database um we'll put the link to the comptox database in the the podcast notes so folks can can go link up with that um but in this regulation um pfas is defined and and in this regulation pfas is defined based off of its chemical structure right um Don't ask me. I am not a chemist. If Cynthia Ali was in here, Mm. shout out to Cynthia. If Cynthia Ali was in here, Uh she could talk about those chemical structures and what they all mean. I am not a chemist like Cynthia is. So please don't (laughs) ask me the details of these chemical structures. Um, But there is um, within the regulations um, three chemical structures that are kind of defining what they mean by PFAS. And EPA will be preparing a list based off of this definition. But it's important for all the listeners to know that if you have a PFAS that meets the qualification of that chemical structure, but it doesn't happen to be on the list, it's still subject to this. So the list might be, not be all encompassing. Um, so just, you know, be, be familiar with both the list as well as the, the chemical structure.
2: So, it will be the obligation of the manufacturer to check through their SDSs and their constituents of everything they're making to compare to these 5,000 chemicals and say, Yeah, okay, and, we have this. and
1: be wary about using SDSs. Um, right. We have found SDSs are not a reliable source of information for PFAS because the safety data sheet is that. It's a safety data sheet. It's gotta be OSHA closed. still does not regulate PFAS. Mm-hmm. PFAS under OSHA is personal fall arrest systems. Um, so, so, uh, be weary with, with, um, with that, but, but that brings up a good point because you would think the manufacturer is typically the one that would be producing the safety data sheet. They're going to know, they're going to have all the product stewardship information. They're going to know we took A plus Y plus B decanted C and we got X and that's what we're selling. Um, but the definition of manufacturer includes importers, Mm. So, so, so if you're- no, Okay,
0: that one, mm, but I don't know the significance of that.
1: Okay, so the significance of that. Let's say I am Jackie Baxley Manufacturing Company. Yes. And I make Chemical X. Yeah. And Chemical X has the chemical structure that meets this definition of PFAS. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be reporting. But let's say I'm now Matthew Wallace Manufacturing and and Matthew doesn't make any of his own chemicals or products. He relies on his supply chain. And he gets this chemical from this company in Nebraska. And he gets this product from this company in Michigan. And then there's the secret sauce, the secret ingredient to mm. whatever it is that he is manufacturing. He is getting from, I don't know, Poland, let's okay, say. sure. And so the only way for him to get that raw material is for him to import it from Poland. Then he is now a manufacturer of that chemical Mm -hmm. because he is importing it directly. So So, if
2: I'm, if I'm a fast food restaurant and I get in my boxes are coated in PFAS and I order enough to cross that threshold, well, we're saying there is no threshold. So if any boxes, I would have to report that the boxes have PFAS on them.
1: And and that's a good question because um, normally remember the cousin program, I was talking about that chemical data reporting uh, provision. um, There has historically been article exemptions, right? And and there is no article exemption from this regulation, so you know it's unlikely that you know Matthew Wallace Burgers is getting mm-hmm. your packaging from overseas right. um, and importing those, but it's possible. And if it is coded in PFOS, there's not an article exemption here, so yeah, you would have to to report that. Um, so
2: it has to be an international import, is that
1: an international import? Okay. Yeah. Yep, so. I don't
2: know. Do you call them state? Imp- you, is a no, state? Yeah. Import of yeah so
1: we're, we're talking about. Yeah. We're not talking about.
0: In- trading. Yeah. In general, yeah. Right?
1: Intrastate. Mm-hmm, but yeah. Right. So or uh, this would be international imports. Right. All
0: right. What's our next point? So, so when are they actually. So,
2: well, let me give that a pause so we don't run into each other. Uh, so, Jackie, when do you think these reports are going to be due or. Eh, I, don't, I don't like when you think. So there's a there's a real answer to this. Uh, so, Jackie, when are these reports actually due?
1: All right, so these reports are going to be due by May the 8th of 2025. And that seems like it's a long way away, but it's not. And let me tell you why it's not. The reporting um, obligation is that these manufacturers, and remember manufacturers include importers, have to have a 12-year look back. And so that's going to be a lot of time and effort you know, for these companies to do a 12-year look back. Mm-hmm. I would say probably some of the more proactive, you know, manufacturers slash importers out there. Again, this was first drafted. This The draft notification was, was first, you know, released in, in 2021. So some folks have already kind of started their due diligence. Um, but even if they did start their due diligence in 2021 with the 12-year look back, we're still talking about a daunting task of a 12-year look back. So the reports, um, the the reporting period, is going to open up in CDX. Um, CDX might be a familiar name for some folks. It's um, it's what companies uh, use to report their TRI reports yep. under EPCRA. Um, it's what people use for that chemical data report um, under that other part is HOSCA. Um, but the reporting period is going to open up in November of 2024. And then they have six months to file that completed report. And again, it's a 12 year look back and and so, how was somebody going to get reliable information? For
2: twelve years 12 back. Twelve years mm. back. Right. Eight, five years is is most environmental regulation. You know, it's, it's rare to see anything over five years.
1: It's yeah. So this twelve year look back, and, and I should say the the reason why this this rule was was published is you know EPA just thinks that this is just going to provide them with a, a a better picture of the characteristics and hazards of PFAS and, and what's out there and, and so on. So that's why they're looking back so far, because yeah. these are materials that are already out there. Um, as opposed, you know, Tosca has, has uh, nets to catch the new things. Mm-hmm. You know, so with this 12-year look back, they're trying to catch the stuff that's already out there, so to speak. Um, so for this 12-year look back, um, companies have to rely on, known or reasonably ascertainable information and and those are, are phrases we commonly see in the environmental regulations you know known or reasonably obtainable what's reasonably attainable you know calling your supplier of your materials and asking for technical data sheets asking for environmental data sheets asking for product formulations that's you know reasonably ascertainable information mm-hmm. yeah um But you do have to make reasonable inquiries. So I I caution folks out there, don't just throw up your hands and say, oh, I don't have records from 12 years ago Mm. and and say, it's not reasonable for me to attain it. You have to make reasonable inquiries. Mm -hmm. And, And as, you know, faithful listeners of the podcast will know, you know, when, when these rules first started coming out under EPCRA and the toxic release inventory report, we also talked about how you can get that reasonably attainable information under EPCRA. Our recommendations are the same here. Document your efforts of how you try to get reasonably available information. You know, I called the supplier. You know, I left five messages. They never called me back. I followed up with four emails. I got nothing. Mm-hmm. I sent out these certifications for them to sign and submit. I got nothing. But you document all of that. Yeah. And so you can say, I put forth all of my reasonable inquiries. Or, hey, I called this company. I left one voicemail. I emailed. They followed up. They sent me this document. I'm relying on this document that they sent me. Um, so we always recommend that you document Um your your efforts your 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 good faith efforts to get that reasonably available information.
0: So twelve years sounds crazy amount of time to have records. But I mean, uh, what even would you be keeping that you would be looking at?
2: See, the real kind of question is: normally for something like this, you would look in safety data sheets. But because safety data sheets didn't cover PFOS until August twenty twenty, and then even after that, it's still kind of Vague, yeah. Uh, most SDSs SDSs that you find aren't going to list PFOS at all, yep. and that. so that's not something that you should reference in uh, this kind of background catalog. Jackie, what would you look into if you were to to list twelve years of PFOS right. manufacturing or importing?
1: And and so remember this: this applies only to manufacturers, mm-hmm. which includes importers. Mm-hmm. This does not apply to, you know, processors, you know, distributors, um, people that used these products or disposed of these products. Mm-hmm. It's just the manufacturer. And again, the definition of manufacturer includes importer. Mm-hmm. So with that, if I'm a manufacturer of a chemical, I likely have a whole product stewardship team. You know, a lab of, of chemists and scientists, that you know might have been part of the R&D might have been part of some of the initial applications um, for these chemicals so they're going to have information that normally doesn't make it to something like a safety data sheet you know it's part of their product stewardship part of their product formulation so so those are records internally that I would definitely say are consulted but you're right you know safety data sheets I always just tell people Always use a safety data sheet with with a grain of salt. They are safety data sheets. Some companies have environmental data sheets, and in something like PFAS, an environmental data sheet would be more reliable. But again, it's going to be the product stewardship departments within organizations that are likely going to have the actual, you know, formulations, the actual initial testing. They're going to know all of the quote-unquote ingredients of these manufactured products. Um, now in the importers, it's going to be a little bit more difficult, mm-hmm. you know, honestly, because they're importing and, and so they might find some difficult challenges because these are not things they made, but they know what they needed for their product formulations. They're going to have some idea, right, of the, the more chemistry behind it. And so again, it's probably going to be more your R&D teams, your product formulation teams, Um, your process improvement teams that are probably going to have more of the details. Um, But again, remember, remember the, the properties of PFAS Um, you know, these are things that are oil resistant, stain resistant, uh, surfactants, you know, remember the, the, all of those properties that um, that we hail and tout for PFAS and why they even, you know, were, were created in the, in the first place. And, and really look at those chemicals that have those properties with a high degree of scrutiny as, as you're tr- trying to do your um, your forensics, so to speak, of, mm-hmm. of of your historical records and information and supply chains.
2: You'd think it would make more sense for the exporters to have the responsibility to, to alert the importers that their material has PFAS in but it. it.
1: But again, if I if I export, it, well, for one thing, export those are other countries' rules and regs That's that we have true. no jurisdiction over. Yeah, yeah, great point. Um, but then on you know something with PFAS, you know we've been tracking it for several years here at HRP as an emerging contaminant. We've probably been talking about it about seven to ten years, but it's Feels not like a been, lifetime. Yeah, it seems like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? But the I w- I'm going to say. In, in some circles, it's still not even a household name, mm-hmm. right? So this is, was not on anybody's radar, um, you know, ten years ago when somebody might have bought this, and so it just it, it it and again, so you know the reporting uh, the report opens up in November twenty four and it's going to be due by by May eighth of twenty twenty five. Seems like a long way out, but you're going to have a lot of legwork, like, you mm-hmm. know, for for you know so manufacturers out there, importers out there have a lot of legwork to get, to be able to, pa- I like to call it the red face test, you know, to pass the red face test that you made re- reasonable inquiry for that that readily available or reasonably available information.
0: Mm. Uh, Jay, how does this uh, relate to EPCRA or tie into it?
2: I, yeah, I'm curious about that because with EPCRA, you know, we're entering an era soon where in addition to your normal annual reports, they're going to be adding PFAS onto that. So you'll be just having your little PFOS addendum to every annual report in the future. But with Tosca, I don't think it works like that, right? It's...
1: Yeah, so I would say there's kind of a dotted line maybe with EPCRA. Um, and and the way I look at it, so a couple of things. So EPCRA, we've been reporting PFOS chemicals for what, like the last two years, I guess? Something and like that. that they keep adding to mm-hmm. that list, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and our EPCRA TRI reporting, that's every year. Our TOSCA chemical data reporting is every four years. This is a one-time deal. Um, so this is a one-time report with no de minimis or no threshold. Um, and again, this is to this is looking back twelve years, recognizing this is an emerging contaminant. We didn't have all of this historical information within EPA's databases, so that EPA can kind of characterize what's what's what. So this is a this is a one and done. Um, But how it's going to relate, I would say, to EPCRA as well as just basic risk management, right, is the companies that are importing and manufacturing this material, this assignment of looking back 12 years will hopefully also inform your current product formulations. And that has been a struggle I know for us at HRP, as we are helping clients, you know, some clients rely on us to call upon their vendors and their supply chain to get the reasonably available information about PFAS and to help them with their PFAS certifications. And, you know, we typically about a third of the vendors in the supply chain, we call, you know, are Johnny on the spot. They've got a certification letter or some type of documentation they can provide us about some type of PFAS certification or no PFAS or what have you. There's about a third of the people we call that they're like, yeah, we know this is an issue. We're still digging into it. We don't have anything reliable we can share with you yet. And then there's a third still to this day that don't even know what the heck we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And and these are chemical suppliers of chemicals that have the types of properties that would be, um, you know, highlighted or, or exemplified by by the PFAS characteristics. And and so um, there's not going to be a direct line or direct link between this one time PFAS Tosca reporting requirement at EPCRA, other than I look at it as hopefully that will just bridge the gap a little bit about all the missing information that we still have in our supply chain. Right.
0: All right. Well, Jackie, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of P3. Matt, as always, good to have you here. Absolutely. Super informative. Yeah, very good stuff. Okay, folks out there, as you're listening, don't forget to subscribe to the PFOS Pulse if you are not already. Go to hrpassociates.com slash PFOS to get on the Pulse today. Make sure you are subscribed to this feed for all the latest P3 episodes. Uh, We're looking forward to joining you on some of our next ones. Rate us five stars if you are listening on your preferred platform of choice. Thank you so much, everybody. We will see you next time.